welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming out at you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. I am recording the intro on my phone because I only have like five minutes until my Felicity, my daughter, wakes up. So the actual interview we did uh, last week on Zencaster that came out much better sound-wise and great content. Uh, Cynthia is a fantastic guest. Uh, Cynthia was on this podcast about a year ago, a few weeks before Felicity was born prematurely, and um. So it's really fun to kind of catch up with someone and a, a fellow parent. So we definitely some parenting talk. I, I can't avoid it. That's my life now. And some great advice. Cynthia's podcast, Events TV History, is incredible. I've been listening to it while I've been on hiatus. I cannot recommend it. She has wonderful guests like Kim Fields from Living Single. There's episodes where she can just sit in front uh, where Cynthia can just like sit in front of a fucking microphone and talk for like 30, 40, 50, like an hour, like an NPR show. So if anyone knows anyone at NPR, tell them to buy the Advanced TV History. It absolutely belongs there. Uh, Cynthia is, is amazing. She's so kind. Uh, she made me think. You, you hear part of the episode where I'll get choked up because Cynthia says some nice things about uh, the community of the podcast community and people kind of watching out and waiting to hear from me. And I, for you may or may not know, I've been dealing with I was dealing with some PTSD stuff from a traumatic birth, but everyone's okay now. And I just kind of disappeared and it kind of made me think about all the nice people that were reaching out and all these friends and people that I know that I've never met in real life, but were actually friends. It's, it's really interesting. Um, so Cynthia, thanks for the kind words. If you pay attention, you might hear me choke up or sniffle or something like that. But Cynthia is just as nice as they come. So it's great to have her back on the show. Please, please, please check out her podcast. Uh, you can find Advanced TV History on the – they have an amazing website, uh, tvherstory.com. I cannot recommend downloading this pod, her podcast enough. Uh, they have a newsletter. Really beautiful website. Kind of jealous. I'm going to talk to whoever did that and make me one. <laughs> um, you know, they're on Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Uh, they're on Twitter at TV History, Facebook, and anywhere you find podcasts, pretty much you can find Advanced TV History. As always, I'm on all the things uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for right now at Let's Chat Podcast. Uh, reach out, say what's up, and make sure you like tweet Cynthia, let her know that you liked this episode and Let's get to it. Let's Chat with Revel and Friends is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, and movie podcasts. Check out our other shows, That Popped This Live, Talking Shondaland, We Got Five, and TV Ate My Brain at courtsandparts.com. The opposite of a winner Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner Peace to raw jeans, Brucey B, kid to bring Funk, laugh, the flex, love, bump, star, ski I really, I really admire what you can do Because I, I feel like I want to be able to sit down and just talk for like 30 minutes to an hour And be cohesive <laughs> Which I, I cannot But I was, I think it was either semi-recently again Whatever it was, um, I was I loved your reboots episode, oh. so I really wanted to kind of focus on that because um, I'm a fanatic of the reboot of One Day at a Time, uh-huh. but I also hate every other reboot. So I think you and I are in the same oh, boat. Well, we should just use this as a as a podcast, a campaign that everybody who's listening should bug Netflix and tell Netflix that this is one. Th- this is a no brainer. Renew this show and just yeah, do I, the right thing. I've been reading; it's on the verge of cancellation. <sighs> It's really because I um yeah I've been I saw was it the Gloria Ketter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Calder- Calderon Calderon yeah. yeah huge fan um I saw her tweet about it when it was kind of up for renewal so I watched the entire second season again mm-hmm. and sometimes I just put it on as background noise just to make sure they can see it's getting watched yes, yes. <laughs> and then I yeah I, uh, I I talked to a writer for someone who used to work with her and she worked she worked on a show called I Zombie which I oh, I yes. love. Yes, my daughter's favorite show. Yeah, no way, is it? Yeah, totally. I like your. You should. Uh, you could tell her I had uh, one of the actors, uh, Ravi, and then one of the writers were on back to back last cool. month. Cool, cool. It was a big deal for me. And, and uh, Doctor, have you ever? You would. You might like it. It's very good. 
I saw the first two episodes just as they were rolling out and it was like, Hmm. And I got, it, things got busy. And so I, I, oh, I understand. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's not, I know we always, people say this, it's not fair of how much stuff there's to watch. And it isn't Netflix is about to come out with like 700 <laughs> more shows and movies in next year. Mm-hmm. So it, I, it's hard. I, I, yeah. I don't even watch things I want to or like right now. <laughs> well, anyway, getting back to one day at a time. Yes, absolutely. This, I mean, that show, it merits on so many levels renewal. And maybe this is just Netflix playing with audiences and, and trying to, you know, goose the crowd a little bit and cheer a little louder. And, you know, it's let's working. hear it's working and, and, but it's really important too. I think it's a reminder that there aren't that many shows about um, Latin Latinx families. There aren't that. I never heard that term until that show, to be honest. Right. And, and it just, it hits the sweet spot in so many, so many different ways. It's the classic immigrant story that has been told time and time and time again. And it's kind of a reminder that all of us uh, somewhere in our families, we have immigrants and the, the conversations that they have at their kitchen table. Yes, they're modern day and they include lots of modern, you know, Norman Lear kinds of social um, illusions, but in some way, that's what it was, whether our ancestors came from Germany or, or, you know, South America or, or Russia or Poland or wherever they, or China or Vietnam, wherever they came from, that first generation of immigrants had that experience. So oh, yeah, we're fools. We're fools to think that this should be canceled. You're right. You know, and so I, I, the one thing I, I'd say about this show is it kind of has well my brother doesn't listen so i'll use my brother as an example as a good <laughs> a good person but like he just doesn't care about diversity and act like the way i do like it's not he doesn't he's not against it but it's not like he doesn't watch something like black panther and be like oh i loved it and i'm also happy that it was mostly women and and, and like an all-black cast like that doesn't affect him not like in a racist way it just is one of those things and he would like one day at a time because it, at the at the core of it, it's just good storytelling. And then for uh-huh. me, the bonus is it's the woman centered. They passes the Bechdel test every time. The diversity, the single mother with the the, the, the lesbian daughter, just it's I don't know. It's like all that stuff really gets me in the the good spots. But like I think someone mm-hmm. who doesn't care about that necessarily. At the end of the day, it's just some of the best goddamn storytelling I've ever seen. With Joe, mm-hmm. with like um. Almost like a level of like Simpsons, but I mean, obviously, I know it's Norm Lear of like just like amazing, just funny riff jokes and it's like just joke but <laughs> per minute, and then can just punch you in the gut with a tear out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like and 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 Rita Moreno delivers. I mean, God bless her. She's in her mid eighties and she is she's killing it, and she's killing it on such a level. Of, of authenticity. She's been waiting her whole career for this role. Her whole career. And she's so funny. She's so funny on that show. She is. She is. Yeah. And nobody else, nobody could do that kind of comedy. Nobody could have that much of a sort of that authentic twist, that, that ethnic twist, that self-deprecation, because that has to come within the community. It has to come within the ethnicity. So... It's either going to be this or we miss out on that level of appreciation of, you know, call it, call it self-deprecation. It's, it's sort of making fun of, you know, she, she's making fun because she's taking it off of her mother's experience, her, how her mother absorbed English or didn't absorb English and the, the, how she spoke and how she got words mixed up. I I could you know no white person could ever deliver that because that just is not acceptable anymore that that is out with blackface so she gets this opportunity she wants to do it she does it very capably and her comedic timing you know you put her and Betty White on a stage and everybody else can just walk off because they're just going to carry the show for however long they yeah, can and, what what incredible you're so women. right but I mean I mean Rita Moreno is amazing on that show and the teenage actors I mean they are going toe to toe with um mm-hmm. I I don't know the name yeah. of the actors who play the son and daughter but oh my mm-hmm. god the daughter I mean that girl is the there's that episode she was like oh my god Mexican Anne Hathaway is standing up for those for those uh, <laughs> whatever Mexicans or whatever or Anne Hathaway standing up for those Mexicans like that girl is going to do amazing things mm-hmm. she is such a good actor 
she's so funny she's so yes. awkward and she's so sweet and i like how it's like making fun of millennials without like the uh, not it's more poking fun than abashedly like your shitheads like i get so mad at that all the time constantly right. uh yep yes isabel gomez she is, is that actress yeah just um, such a talent i mean she just she takes that role and i don't understand how she does that at that age it's i get i mean with i mean everyone on that show even um alvarez the actress that played penelope which you know mm-hmm. i had imdb her recently i didn't realize that she's from six feet under and all this stuff like she's been working forever Mm-hmm. Yeah, just Justine oh Machado. Yeah. God, I. Oh, ugh. I mean, so what that you know? I think it's very clear. This this show is as successful as it is, in part because of Rita Moreno and these incredible performers and and untested. I mean, we've never really had a chance to see them in any other significant show. So here they have this great opportunity to work with Norman Lear, who clearly is 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 helping writers. And is helping a, a, a t- totally new generation, sort of with some of the same, I think some of the same life lessons and storytelling lessons that that brought us up through All in the Family, that gave us Maude, that gave us the Jeffersons. You know, the the blend of comedy with the social relevance that, as you say, becomes this gut punch that just leaves you almost breathless because of the statement. The I think it's necessary because I'm, I'm 33. So I didn't grow up with the Norman Lear era television. I do remember watching Nick at night with my grandparents, but not getting it. And it wasn't until I mm-hmm. saw um, the Norman Lear documentary, <laughs> another version of you where I, and I listen to his podcast now and he's mm-hmm. just such an amazing human being. And um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like get it. Like, because yeah, I was I was younger and I remember liking that stuff, but not really understanding the importance. And then like now I love television. You go back and like he, him and like James L. Brooks, I think are like the godfathers of what everything I love would become. Like Norman Lear, like it all sums back. And um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I was just mm-hmm. so happy to see him do. I, I oh my point was I've never seen One Day at a Time the original. No idea what it was. Didn't even. Oh. Oh I my god! It's a soap really? opera, and I would not have cared. I don't even know why we watched this one. Oh, I do. I saw Norman Lear's name, so that's the only reason I watched this. And so it's interesting because I think it can mm. work on a level of someone who's watched the original and love it, and someone who has no reference point to the original, and I mm-hmm. love it. Mm. Um. So it, it was. It, I mean, it, again, as I as I said in the episode of my podcast. It the it was Bonnie Franklin who was playing the mom. There was no grandma figure as Rita Moreno presents. Um, Bonnie Franklin basically led the charge. She had a good theater background. She hadn't done that much film. hadn't done a you know anything significant in TV. Comes along and she's only in her like early thirties, thirty three, thirty four. Has these? I think you said thirty one. Is that right? Okay, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> it's. Been a couple of weeks, and I'm I'm referencing you yeah, to you. Yes, um, <laughs> I love podcasting because of moments like that. And, well, you said this, <laughs> and so Valerie Bertinelli, who is still around, and Mackenzie Phillips were these. And this is back when you know when teen magazines. I mean, that was that was the trade. You know, there was no Twitter, there was no social media. You got the the magazine once a week. You went down to the store with your dollar and a quarter or whatever, and you got the magazines, and you kind of saw what was going on, and. So these two young women became huge, huge celebrities, and they were it, it, it just it was so profound. And, and Valerie Bertinelli is still doing all sorts of things. She's got a cooking show. She's on QVC, you know, peddling stuff. She's got a fun Instagram and the whole bit. Mackenzie Phillips had been the daughter, is the daughter of Michelle Phillips and John Phillips, who were half of the Mamas and the Papas from the '60s, the, oh. the band. Okay. And Michelle Phillips went on to, I think, Knott's Landing and a few other shows. John Phillips was always sort of troubled. He had the, the rock and roll demons that, you know, so many did. And, and along the way, those two messed up Mackenzie Phillips at an early, early age. And so she was working through all of her drama while the show was going on. Ultimately, they kind of fired her for all sorts of reasons. She now has a couple of books out. And so I, I talk about that as well because that show was significant enough in its own way. America kind of grew up understanding that, you know, teen star, teen stars, teenage celebrities have all sorts of extra pressures put on them. 
And, and, and now you get this chance you have, you know, you think, how could, how could that show, which was really pretty cool in its own way. It was so pioneering because Anne Romano was a single mom and who had ever heard of a divorcee, you know, um, on a TV show uh, that would make it so much more acceptable for a divorced woman to be raising two daughters. And yet it happened and they, they tread all sorts of important social, social issues and, and really helped young women see what growing up was like, you know, through the eyes of this storytelling. Lo and behold, here we have the reboot and Norman Lear just, just took it in a totally different direction and Rita Moreno and Justina Machado and uh, just what talent and, and what a great way to st- tell the story. The, the fun part is, is that the story is set in that same apartment. No, it's Schneider because so, I when I told my mom to watch it and she loves it and she was telling me that there was a Schneider mm-hmm. in the original. Is it? Mm-hmm, you, it says, mm-hmm. I I always wonder if that if they would ever bring in the original Schneider and have that be his dad. He oh, he's so that's dead not now. Feasible. So that's yeah, um, you know because that show now is yeah thirty five years ago. You know, I mean, Valerie Bertinelli, I think, started out and she was like yeah, 12 or she 11 was like, when it started. Yeah, it's such a bad rap when I was a kid. Um, really? Yeah, she, I don't know why. What did what was she on at that point? Not much. Uh, she was married to Eddie Van Halen, which was that's, 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 <laughs> I, And like, I think she probably, like many un- women unfairly, got targeted for her like weight changes. That's kind of all I really yes, remember from yes, her. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then, like, yep. and Oprah. Those were the two that I remember for that. Yeah. Uh, that's too bad. Yeah, Eddie Van Halen doesn't yeah. seem like a good guy. Like a good guy. <laughs> and it's funny because <laughs> now it's like with, um, you know, with especially with I'm a, uh, like the Me Too movement, it's like, oh, so we should have been listening to Corey Feldman all those years ago of like the stories you hear of like yeah. just how awful Hollywood can yeah. be. I don't, you know, it's not how anyone, how mm-hmm. awful people can be to children. So I work in the mental, uh, the behavior, I work for like a behavioral health company. So I've worked with very aware mm-hmm. of how mm-hmm. non Hollywood industry people can be to their children terrifying it's yeah this weird thing that we don't want to talk yeah. about, especially like addiction and that's the thing that cuts all cl- one of the things that, that can cut all classes and um it's just fascinating that that was how the the, uh, the the drama of the show can become to lead a much larger conversation and i know and norman lear mm-hmm. like so he i know he's the creator of the original uh and i always it's just so interesting now mm-hmm. i was when you're we watching it and um I think Norman. I forgot where Norman Lear's family from, but I think he's a first generation Jewish immigrant. I know he's Jewish. I think he's first first gen. Yes, and I know his father. Yeah. He was raised by a single yeah. mother. Father was in jail, and it, so it's interesting because at one point mm-hmm. in his life, he would his family lived that, and now Schneider is the kind of the wealthy one taking the next ones under. And like I always, I always love that little nod to that. Like mm-hmm. you can always tell, like he doesn't forget his past. I also have to say, I love what um. I wish I had his name. The actor who plays Schneider is so good, and he could. He, <laughs> yeah, he. I, Todd, he came out of nowhere too. Yeah, he yeah. could. And that. Todd Grinnell. Mm-hmm. Todd Grinnell, yes, and that could be a role that you could really fuck up, but <laughs> he's funny. He's got depth, and he's got those moments where like. Um, I mean, so I mean, I've been I've talked about it on here and stuff, but like, so I was dealing with uh, post traumatic stress syndrome and like talking with my wife, and there's a line in the show where he goes to Penelope, or uh, yeah, Penelope's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. A, a normal brain just doesn't act that way, and like I was like yes, and that was one of the one of the many things I'm like maybe I should get some help, but like mm. that line is really was so it's like true like a normal normal brain doesn't think that way like when mm-hmm. you're having like extreme thoughts or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's interesting because he could have just been this like trust fund kid upstairs, but God, the heart on that guy in the mm-hmm. show. Can, mm-hmm. can I tell you the two moments of the two of, of the two of all of them? I think there's two or three moments that got me the the most, and then I want to see what yours are too. But so season one, the Quincenera, I hope I said that right. Episode yes. was mm-hmm. I bawled like a baby. I mean. Oh my fucking god! It was between that that episode, then the second season when um, the daughter confronts the father about walking out. Just mm-hmm. and I, you know, now as a new father, like, oh, how can you do that to your kid? 
were that might I think some of my favorite television, but the episode that got mm-hmm. me the hardest, which I think might have been the most brilliant writing I've ever seen, was the uh, gun episode. Because mm. the that whole episode is they used the stupid sitcom trope of her hiding the relationship with a guy, you know, and not stupid. Mm-hmm. It was just like predictable TV tropes. And in the last mm-hmm. thirty seconds, they just fucking pull the rug out underneath from you. He's like, "Mommy, I know your secret." She's like, "Oh, I like him." She's like, "I know where you keep your gun." And like the music drops and her face, and I'm like, after the conversation you just had with Rita Moreno's character, I mean, that was. Mm-hmm. Did that surprise you too? Like that pulled the rug out from underneath me. I might jaw dropped, and I was like, "That's why that show's good because silly, <laughs> funny, fifteen seconds, and it just drops you brilliantly." Oh, yeah, uh, you know, chose. I, uh, I think, I mean, every, every, I've not, I've not seen one that is, is not remarkable. I mean, that's, that's kind True. of the, the beauty and the high, high standard that they're delivering on that series. Um, you know, I just continue to be amazed. I think Justina Machado is going to have an incredible career. I think she's only, we're only now meeting her for the first time, even though she's been doing other work. I, just like the fact that here we are in 2017, 2018, and what she is saying is what so much of American womanhood, regardless of color, is feeling, and she's saying it. And Norman Lear and Rita Moreno are standing there saying, go ahead and say this, say this as loudly and as frequently as you need to, we will incorporate this into the story. So she talks about the sexism, she talks about the racism, she talks about not making the same amount of money as the as the male nurse, Oh yes, and, and pushing that, you know? And, and that was not something that Bonnie Franklin as Anne Romano could do in 1984 or 81 or whatever that was. It just, you know, um, they're, they are there and, and and it's a very powerful pen right now that is writing those scripts. So, you know, it's, it's, it's priceless. Uh, One last thing I was going to say, I love, um, I love how they dealt with mental health. Oh, that the fact that they add just threw in a layer to it, that she's a veteran, which is just like, mm-hmm. come on, huge. It's huge. And and then right. the mental health piece within the because I like sometimes when you have a show of adversity, they don't want to show any flaws because you're trying to or if you're showing like anything about a minority character. Sometimes the problem is they try to over perfect them. They show flaws within the community. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of especially in the Cuban culture that's mental health is very demonized by the elders, like the mother. And like, I love that they handle that. So like, it's a fully rounded character. The characters are fully rounded and -hmm. how they handle Mm -hmm. sexuality. Yeah. yeah. So if anyone doesn't watch it and if we haven't convinced you, I swear to God, you just need to go on and just give yourself a few hours and binge it all and you'll be happy. You'll laugh, you'll cry and you'll be like, Oh, I I, kind of liked it because it reminded me of like the old sitcoms, but then it's actually good. (laughs) Use, use Netflix as your ballot yeah. box. You know, every, every episode, every viewing is going to count. And then go over to Twitter and, and just, you know, make sure that Netflix knows you just watched it. You loved it. You couldn't live without it. It is, it is quality television. Yeah, they have a, a writer's room account, too, you could follow. I, I, there you go. Which, those so. accounts, by the way, for any podcast listeners, uh, that's how I got connected to uh, Nye Zombie Writer. I just like they literally wrote back. I oh. just tweeted at them and they sent me a DM. They're like, Hey, here's someone, Bob Dearden. He would love to talk to someone if you want. Here's his email or reach out to him or whatever, whatever. So those things for different shows is a good cool. way to get people. Uh, the woman who created mm-hmm. um, the showrunner for one day at a time, her husband uh, directed one of my favorite documentaries about Calvin Hobbes. And I don't know why. I just think that's, they must be the cutest couple in the entire world. Dear Mr. <laughs> Watterson. So you should try to get oh, her on your show. Yeah. I bet she would do your show. Well, she did like my. Uh, she liked a tweet that I did this morning. Gloria did, so I'm. Yeah, you know, str- I'm working on it. The iron I've. Um, yeah, I'm also ta- Gloria yes. Calderon Kellett is or Calais is her name. Um, I am in talks with Acorn TV, which is a British mm-hmm. streaming service, and they originally. Uh, so they're you know they're positioned on the internet worldwide now, but they stream some of the classic British programming, probably I think it's considered more recent, you know, just of the last few years. Um, I've actually put in requests for two other shows that aired something like five years ago. And now they've taken what is, what was their foundational um, 
sort of uh, uh, British or British and Australian. And now they're really starting to go international. So international TV, that's a very high quality, in many cases, uh, you know, women-centric storylines or series and strong women characters. And so I was talking to the publicity person from Acorn TV and she's, uh, she sent me all sorts of links and wants to, wants me to talk to one young woman who's, I don't, I don't know. I, I have to figure that one out. I've got so much in the hopper. It's amazing. So it's great. very cool. Yeah, it, it's a fun, so. it's, it's fun, right? It's yeah. Have you ever had to do totally the thing where fun. you had like, um, I've noticed anyone who has any sort of tie to a Netflix thing, you have to get approved by their PR, which they're pretty late cool about it but it was always it's always interesting like yes i'd love to do it but hold uh-huh. on i have to get cleared by netflix and i'm just like a dude and is literally in my bedroom right now i was like really netflix is gonna know who i am okay because i gave him my money <laughs> that's it i was excited <laughs> by that stuff uh, i have not i have not yet stumbled into a netflix person i right now seem to have lots of authors that i'm working with and so I've done a series of interviews with Janine Farino, who wrote All the Single Girls, and Karen Romanko, who had done television's Women's Spies and Crime Fighters, and um, Jennifer Cation Armstrong, who had written Marion, Lou, and Rhoda, and Ted um, a couple of years ago, and then <gasps> Seinfeldia. She is coming out with Sex in the City. Seinfeldia is on my list. Yes. Oh, oh my God. I just remembered you had Kim Fields. By the way, that you did and I had an incredible feels, job yes. keeping your cool. So, I was such a fa- I had such a crush <laughs> on her when I was younger, and she was just such a fascinating. She was on um, Living Single. Living Single, yeah, and yeah. and um, Facts of Life, and she was she was great. She was so personable, and it was just like you sound like buds. It didn't sound like a straight up interview. It just seemed like a couple gals having wine and coffee. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. So, and and she, uh, you know, I got her on Zencaster. They they wanted to, you know, do some. They they were hoping that we would, you know, be able to somehow do this just on the phone and everything. I'm like, no, I need, you know, I need this at a, yeah, at yeah, a of course. respectable recording that's a, that's platform. A, and so, yeah, it's funny that because there's this era of uh, television uh, where where I kind of grew up, where like it was like I believe it was UPN, and then it turned into the CW. But they like really took advantage of like uh, black comedies and then just abandoned them completely. So like, fortunately right. for me, I grew up and I watched a lot of comedy. Yeah. I, yeah. I I was fortunate to watch a lot of television of people who didn't look like with me, and I think that's a really great thing. But then for some reason, like when UPN dissipated and turned into the CW or the WB, I don't know which was which. But yeah, Living Single was one I loved. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to watch that a lot because it would be that and like a different world where I'm back to back in rerun and I would just devour them mm-hmm. and you know what i did find because mm-hmm. in different worlds on netflix i was yeah. watching it you can still watch that even with all the cosby scandal because he's not in it that much so it doesn't ruin it right no a different world really holds up i interviewed a woman wow she's like a major department head at the university of michigan so i drove up to ann arbor had a great conversation with Dr. Robin Means Coleman, who has written extensively on the role that Debbie Allen played in turning around from season one to season two. So Ann Bates, who had been a Saturday Night Live kind of sketch comedy writer and had really kind of come up through the 70s style, you know, being a woman comedy writer, which in and of itself was a, a um, almost unheard of, but still, you know, they were around. She gets assigned having done square pegs. I don't know if you've ever seen square pegs. So, yeah, it's Ann Bates, you know, uh, directed square pegs and wrote for it and everything. And it was it was a fascinating one season wonder. And then she was assigned to a different world. And the first season, if you watch it, you know it. You it does not feel the same. Debbie Allen took it over. She had been a graduate of um, a historic black college in university, that being Howard University, and she just made it real. And and so Robin and I talked, oh my God, I could I could have sat in her office for hours and on her on her bookshelf. I mean, when yeah. you go into a professor's office, you just never know what you're gonna see, right? And on her bookshelf, in addition to lots of books and all sorts of cool things, is a, a handwritten card 
from Michelle Obama, like handwritten to dear Robin, blah, 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 blah. And it's on, it's on this very classy card. And then it says Michelle Obama. I don't think it says first lady. I think it just says Michelle Obama at the wow. top. And she's since had it like put in this Lucite frame and everything. And I was like, wow, this is just very cool. So, Have you watched Grownish? I have not. I have, it's, I've sort of been saving it because, you know, you can take a 22 minute sitcom and actually power through a couple of them at a time. So I was kind of saving that for the summer. It's yeah. very good. It's not a different world, which I know, which people love to compare it to. Um, sure. What do I, I don't even know what the compare. I had a good comparison for what it really was. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely has a lot of the same vibe to the first four seasons of Blackish, which I also love. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I don't know. There's, I don't know. There's something about it. Like it's just it's really good. Like I think you're gonna good. really enjoy it. Um, because I love good. Blackish. This season is really not doing it for me. But the ones before this one kind of took over some of it's. It's interesting <laughs> to hear how I'm like, oh, this is how the kids talk. But it's they do a good job. I like that actress. Uh, I forgot how you say it. I forgot her name, but she's uh turns out to be like a wonderful, wonderful human being and activist. And it is, I think she writes for Teen Vogue too, which you know I never read Teen Vogue growing up ever, and um, uh-huh. just was read this article. Oh no, I heard this on the NPR Politics podcast about how um. If you look at it from like when someone my age was a kid till now of how different the Teen Vogue mm-hmm. and uh, are like they're very very political and yes which I think it's a yeah. really good sign it was just it's fascinating so she writes for that and she's like she's Iraq she's part famous Yara like, Shahidi Yara, yes. yeah she's a human rights activist as well yeah yeah she's a very talented young lady again I mean there's a there's just an entire generation and they are going to. They're going to change the face of entertainment. They just, you know, they are. So God love them. Yeah, it's it's cool to see whatever. What's that called? Gen Z or something? What's the next? Oh, yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. the next. Yeah, after the millennials. Yeah, yeah it, it is kind of interesting to see what's going to happen, like in the political and entertainment. I mean, the, the floodgates just kind of opened up and like even with YouTube and stuff. Um, I, I mean, I man, I. I mean, that ripe age, I watched Donald Glover's YouTube videos for uh, Dare Comedy when I was in college, and now he's mm-hmm. possibly one of the most famous human beings on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know him or anything, but it's just weird. Like, Is that weird that you could watch someone on YouTube and kind of watch the rise of them to be like, oh, mm-hmm. now you're doing stand-up. Oh, you're on the show community. Oh, you're, you're Lando Calrissian in, in The Lion King and right and everywhere and like i have friends who like knew him and or were or still know him like we're working together like we're doing comedy with him in la and like or it's just so strange it's just so much closer together you know fascinating mm-hmm. to see. so so i'm gonna i'm gonna turn the tables on you dun, a little dun, dun. bit what as you are now yeah. a parent of a one of a one-year-old almost right um how much what's what's the screen time right now and and what are what's your plan for exposing her or not exposing her to tv and you know using it as as entertainment or babysitting and that's so i don't i don't know it's um i don't avoid it completely um normal Uh, i don't let her play on my cell phone or anything um so i i'm fortunate so i have a four-year-old nephew and I know the tablets is like a whole thing with, and I, and thankfully there's been enough time for it to come into play. And w- at least from my personal experience, knowing my nephew, you know, they, my, my brother and sister-in-law are amazing parents and they definitely limit tablet time, but there are times like they have to use it. And it's kind of interesting because for my nephew, Ben, he's already over it and he's four. He is now obsessed with board games and playing cards. So yeah, so good. I think we, good. And so, yeah. like, you know, if they're going to travel or you go out to eat, there are going to be times they just need to let them watch YouTube videos because of whatever. And it's just another, uh, I guess I'm going to kind of follow mm-hmm. their lead of like, it's just another tool in the the handbag that anyone would use, but I don't want it to right. be like a crutch. Right. But I mean, I was playing with him right. and they're like, Benny, do you want to, like, he was like in a mood, do you want to play, watch videos? No. I want to play cards with Uncle Chris, and he played like a memory game where you put all the cards down and whatever, whatever. And, and then he he oh, can yeah. play and he plays board games. So, and I think they were we're like, oh, these kids are going to be so addicted, and and maybe there's definitely some truth to that. But it's just kind of interesting when they grow up with it. They're like, he's like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. 
Well, it's the human, you know, the inner, the human interaction. And, um, it just, you know, that's you, you're, you're a real person. And if you really will spend time and, and give him attention and, and have conversations with him, that is better than a, than a screen any day of the week, you know? Uh, we, I mean, we both work full time, but I have a nine, we both have nine to fives and our wonderful, uh, my wonderful in-laws watcher. So like, you know, I'm very, I'm just present. I'm just there with her. I, I try not to use it as a babysitter. Mm-hmm. I'm sure at some point it's going to happen, but mm-hmm. overall I, I also really enjoy mm-hmm. playing with her. So <laughs> this, yeah, well, so yeah, our, our son, Actually, we didn't really have the TV on for him until our daughter came along. Now, realizing this was a different century. Um, and so he was not quite three when she was born. And so we had never, we never had a kid VHS, you know. And my, for Christmas then that year, my aunt gave him, or maybe for his <laughs> yeah. birthday, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or something. Oh, I love that You know, one. they animated, you know, the whatever that was claymation or whatever. And so that was really his first, his first video. And then in the course of probably when our daughter was more like two and everything, we really were starting, you know, we started to build up the Disney collection a little bit and they would watch some Sesame street and they would watch some Sherry Lewis, which is how, you know, when Dwight and I talked about Sherry Lewis's oh, impact. Yeah. Good. Great episode. Um, wow. What a, I saw her live. Oh, just out there. What uh, you, I mean, that's, that is something to talk about. That is, you should try to get her daughter on your show, actually, because her oh, daughter still, you know, still carries lamb chop and still will do performances and everything. And she's on Twitter oh. and stuff. So, um, it, 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 Sherry Lewis was an incredibly talented woman and just did not get the recognition for being a, a, a central force for the quality of children's television, the way that, for instance, mm-hmm. Mr. Rogers was, partly because he just lived yeah. longer. Um, but you know, she, she's just so, so clever and between the puppets and the singing and the education, you know, those, those shows are timeless. You know, that mm. there is nothing that, that would be the difference between 1991 bad cornball humor, you know, of knock knock jokes and today because, a because a three-year-old or a five-year-old doesn't. You know, it's it's about attention and it's about understanding words and language. So, yes, Sesame Street is always a class. Yeah, I think it's between Sesame Street that and the Muppets is like always gave my love of puppets. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, yeah, big fan. You know, it's fun because you want to. My brother always says he's like, it's a great time to have kids because everything I we loved as kids is now popular again. Like. I was looking. My parents had some of my old toys, and like, and I was like Power Rangers, Simpsons, Ducktales, <laughs> and I was like, "That's a movie now. That's a movie. Superheroes are huge. That's one thing is really easy. It's easier to find more uh, female things for her. Like, there's uh-huh. Wonder Woman clothing, and there's like superhero toys for her. And um, I think uh-huh. Moana is a perfect piece of art. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And my, so my brother like he watches like kids movies with the son like uh what's the one that they were talking captain underpants which i had not seen but he's like he'll be like some of the movies my nephew love are garbage but there's some that <laughs> are just like actually just really good movies that happen to be for kids like moana is perfect and it's for kids but it's really not it's like the incredibles like you will it's it's for kids wink but really it's for us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean I, i'm yes i'm gonna get the disney app are you kidding me there's no question about that Mm, well, anyway, there's just there's good stuff out there. You might have to dig a little deeper, but it'll be fun to see what she finds yeah. interesting. I hope lamb chops. And- I'll definitely try lamb chops. Uh, you know, a little sorry to interrupt, but it just you made me think of no. something. Um, so I have found I grew up on Sesame Street. Mr. Hooper was the first death that I remember. And then mm. I actually had a friend who died around that same age. So it was actually very helpful for my parents because there was like this book. Mm. And uh, I still remember the episode when he died. And there's this, uh, there's a Sesame Christmas Street episode. Can't find it on YouTube anywhere. And um, so I have a, a record player and I found the Sesame Street record of that episode on vinyl. And I listened to it this Christmas and I still can get like teary eye when they talk about mr hooper's death Mm. and it's the music and it's they used to just make these vinyls audio vinyls of uh programs like that it's really kind of a fun collection of stuff so i bought i bought a lot of like records for her to listen to like that which i find fun but yeah it's it's fun to rediscover because then 
if you can throw that onto you, however it is that you're putting music in the van or the car or whatever you're driving her around in, that becomes part of a, a distraction that is not a screen. You know, she's yeah. still looking out the window. She's still doing stuff. She's still, you know, playing with her little toys in her seat. But she's also getting this incredible, um, you know, audio experience of that's engaged with you, you know, so whether it's singing a song or whatever, I just, I, we, you know, we, we just, we as parents always need to be mindful of the fact that this yeah. is, this is such precious time and zero to three, you know, their brains are, you know, are, are forming at such a powerful rate. Zero to three makes or breaks. Yeah, that's very basically true. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Seriously. As you, you know, as you know, mental health and behavioral science and all that. And then again, it picks up again during those really, really hard years, the awkward years of like nine to 12. So, or, you know, or 10 to 13, depending upon, you know, what book you're reading. But the hardest years are these two years, these two pair sets of years where you just have to, you have to get outside yourself and you have to realize that the, what you're going to invest in this little person is going to come back to you. And the, you know, when they're teen, when they're preteens and you're you like, we're going to go to a museum. I don't want to go to a museum. I want to do this. No, we're going to a museum. Believe me, you, you know, you'll, you'll have fun. It'll be okay. We're going to go to an aquarium. I don't want to go to an aquarium. Really? You know, and that's, that's, you know, and then the good thing is, is that that then prepares you to parents during the even harder conversations, which are sure to happen. So. Cause I know I, and like, so like, um, we had a very <laughs> rough go at it to get her here. We had a three year struggle with IVF. She was born prematurely. My wife had a bunch of postpartum. Yeah. Um, it, uh, post yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So she, yeah, she came very close to dying. You guys have walked, walked through some pretty, pretty tough fields. So we're, 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 we've already made the decision one and done. And uh, so she's going to get lots of attention, but yeah, yeah, it's true. Like there's, I know that you have to have that boredom time with kids. Mm -hmm. Like, I think mm -hmm. that stuff's important. So mm. it's, I'm, I'm glad that they have like my brother mm -hmm. and friends kind of mm -hmm. in the same boat of like, yeah, we'll use screens if we have to, but let's really try not to. Like my brother told me he knows people who just put their kids in front of the TV and they're like, we're like, and my brother and his wife and us, were just not like that. I, I'm yep. a, I love music. So I listen to music when I'm with her all the time. Yeah. The TV's on in the background a lot just because sometimes it's a necessity if you need noise so you don't fall asleep. <laughs> but yeah, we try, we, my wife and I really make an effort when we come home from work, like just not to put the TV on with her for those couple hours mm -hmm. we get with her mm -hmm. on the Monday to Friday. Cause she just, it's so precious and podcasts are kind of hard to listen to i find but like i will music i can yep. like just i love listening to music with her yep. it's so fun well and and don't forget that the sesame street people children's television workshop or whatever it got got yeah. to become you know in the 90s and 2000s um they have produced lots of cds lots of lots of fun music for kids and that's, you know, that can be your staple for the next couple of years. And, and it's just, it's going to become something that <laughs> you will, you know, so there you're going to be, you know, she's going to be 20 off at college. You're going to be an old man because you're already an old man and you're going to be an old man and you're going to hear that. You're going to hear some song somewhere and it's going to all of a sudden strike you of, you know, it's going to like go right to your heart oh, and it's just going to be that special. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. What's one of those songs for you? Uh, my kids are out of college. Actually, one's back in law is in law school now. But it, so there is an album. There is an. Uh, so the so Carol King in like nineteen seventy six seventy seven did an album that was based on the Maurice Sendak uh, Nutshell Library. I think it's called. And so Maurice Sendak did a whole bunch of like little short books and Carol King took all of those books and then did an album and it's called Really Rosie. And I would encourage you to get the album. I would encourage you to club somebody over the head to get the VHS um, to see then the, the video version of this. And it, it, they are just these classic Maurice Sendak books put to music and with Carol King's voice. And it's the most precious thing. And then she used her daughter's, um, who still occasionally sing with her, Louise and um, uh, the other one, I guess. Louise is the one that I can think of off the top of my head. The, so as young, as young kids, they were singing along with her. And it's just, it's beautiful. And then we also, believe it or not, listened to, uh, this would be something you could maybe ask your parents about. 
Spike Jones. So Spike Jones was corny uh, radio humor from the late 30s, early 40s. And I remember my folks had some 45 records and we got to listen to various Spike Jones songs. And it was just this sort of odd humor, but there was a lot of sort of vaudevillian uh, music. You know, there's accordions and, and washboards and, you know, flutes that zinged and, th- and tambourine, just like some really funky stuff. So Spike Jones, not Jones, J-O-N-E-Z, which there is somebody now called yeah, Spike tractor, Jones, yeah. but rather J-O-N-E-S. And um, it's just, it's incredibly fun and it's corny humor that kids get, you know, they, they kind of totally get it and it's very catchy and it's very musical. So it's not just, you know, a drum and some guitars. It's just a lot of very strange, clever instruments. So that's my pitch. That's my, that's my lecture on parenting, which I normally don't have to do in my podcast. Yeah. yeah, I guess I hope, I just want to hope they watch good stuff, but we'll see how that happens because sometimes they just love the (sighs) worst shit. Yeah. Well, you should put out a call. You know, uh, occasionally asking asking listeners for recommendations of what 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 was That's important to them. Yeah. When they were I, I was just on a podcast talking about like childhood favorite movies, and like you forget about that stuff. You're like, oh yeah, and like you, I'm in, we're also from a diff- little bit of a different era. It's like, well, I tended to watch the movies that we had. I didn't have mm-hmm. access to everything. I had access to much, but not as mm-hmm. much as our kids mm-hmm. will have. You know. And then there's and then there's the true classics. Yeah. Obviously, there's all the older Disney stuff, the you know Lady and the Tramp and Hundred and One Dalmatians and things. But then you also have like the Wizard of Oz. And the one thing I will say about the Wizard of Oz is don't scary. start on that too early. I mean, I think I think for yeah, it's scary, right? Oh. And just like the monkeys and the witch and all of it. And um, and if they, you know, it's just. As long as you aren't saying, oh, you need to watch this. If if she's nine and she watches it, that might be the perfect time. So, you know. Yeah. One of the most terrifying experiences of my entire life is my dad. So we lived uh, next to Wesleyan University. Like, there's a town over. So we'd always go. We would They would show movies and my dad would mm-hmm. take us. And probably not his fault, but he's also he's uh, notoriously frugal. So my assuming he was just trying to save a buck. Uh, we took took us to go see Return to Oz without knowing what it was. Uh, it was the most terrifying experience of my entire life. Mm. If you have ever seen it, it is frightening. But I also remember always having <laughs> nightmares. Oh, so this is a really weird story. The woman who played, I think it was a Glinda. No, the the green. I don't. One of the witches. I think it, I have to ask my dad. I think it was the Wicked Witch of the West. The actress who played her owned a home in Wallingford, Connecticut, which was the town next to where I lived, and we would drive by it basically every day. And it had like that old Victorian kind of circle part of the house, and in the neighbor, everyone would call it like, the witch's house. And that was always—I remember being very small, thinking she was actually a real person because I would like see her in the world every so often, like buying groceries and like having nightmares about that because I really thought she, you know, my brother like screwing with me. Mm-hmm. That was a very, very good movie. I, yeah, my my film knowledge is pretty bad. I'm gonna have to ask people well, to do that one for me. Music, I'm a little better yeah, at. Yeah, and much better with television. Uh, do you watch Jessica Jones? I do not watch. I, I are you kidding? I don't hardly. I hardly watch okay. any TV these days, and because I like I I poured through The Crown, so I'm fully up to date on The Crown, fully up to date on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh my god, we have to talk about that. Did you? I loved it. <laughs> I I did too. It was it's very very rich, very clever, lots of layers. Um, you never see a show about a comedian that good. And I, I'm a comedy nerd, and I just could not get over her delivery was impeccable. Yeah, I mean it's very it's very hard to do, and the fact that they kind of like did that Good Girls Revolt thing where they like kind of set it in a pl- like fictional story within that area so like like lenny bruce would pop up i'm like oh my mm-hmm. god they are just like giving that to the like they knew their shit they yeah. knew their shit and uh, rachel bronson is just a thin f- amazing and uh, tony shalhoub was like unrecognizable to me because like he wasn't mm-hmm. Monk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kevin Powell, i mean her and alex borstein were just like my two favorite people on that show i mean like that dynamic i just loved i'm and i never watched gilmore girls but i feel like i should now uh or yeah well er- alex borstein was in like the f- first season kind of here and there and then she sort of it, it, she just wasn't the right tone for what you know lauren graham had to go do and 
you know, just how she needed to be such a center force. And, and Melmac, Melissa McCarthy, you know, just was much, was much more to play off of as a positive force. And the kind of the Alex Borstein character in the first couple episodes was much more sour, much, much, much more serious and sort of sarcastic, which is exactly the role that she plays so incredibly well. It just needs to be kind of in the right context. So yeah. what, she's great in Mrs. Maisel. I, I, I was think it's a great enamored series. with that. Cause I, I'm kind of the same. I don't, I guess I feel like I say I watch a lot, but I really don't. I feel like I only pick a few right now and stick with them and then don't watch anything at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am continuing to watch really? Nashville on demand as it, you know, cause it kind of rolls out as a season. And so it's, you know, it's floating out there on Hulu, I think. And so it is now season six or seven, uh, a couple seasons now without Connie Britton. And so Hayden Panettiere is tech, you know, she's the big, big name. And all of these other performers have now been hanging with these storylines for a good long time. Um, Herskowitz and Zwick, you know, the force behind 30 something in my so-called life and uh, once and again, and, you know, such tremendous shows, they took it over from Callie Corey and, and the, other set, set of writers and so it's sort of taken mm. a little bit of a turn in this post connie britain period um but it's it's still good you know i, I like it and then i watched 911 speaking of connie I never britain, heard of that i watched 911 so on oh it's on fox tv um and it's peter krause and connie britain and angela bassett who are like it's like there's no, there does not need to be any more TV. I've got my three favorite people. So I did do a little bit of parenthood with my wife before Felicity was born or on maternity and paternity leave, but she watched all of it again for her fifth time without me. So I only got to see pieces of it. <laughs> but I really, mm. Peter Krause is just, <laughs> what can't he do? <sighs> right, right. He's kind of the Tom Hanks of TV right yeah. now, I think. I mean, him in six, six feet under, he was just perfect. Unless, yeah. And Sports oh, Night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Aaron Sorkin one, right? Yeah, yes. I go yeah. back. I, I, I've gone back to watch that. I watch The West Wing too often. <laughs> That's uh, every like couple <laughs> years we'll go through the entire series. Have you listened oh, to The West wow. Wing Weekly? That's... If you're a West Wing fan, uh, no, I have not. I I am having a hard time keeping things sorted out with yeah. my own. It's Josh and Molina, so it's kind of cool because he's actually someone a part of the show hosting the podcast, and we're going to our first live taping, uh, my first time I'm ever going to a live podcast in uh, a couple months, so it's going to be exciting. That's yeah, fun. Cool. Um, are you going to go I've to never, podcast movement? You know, I've never been able to like do fun things because I didn't make enough money, and then uh, oh. recently became uh-huh. one of those people who's no longer living to paycheck to paycheck. So now, like, as you said that I was going to, my instinctive uh-huh. answer to say is to say, no, I can't ever do it. I'm like, Oh, Oh, huh, I can do things again. Really? Well, and it's in Philly. Um, so it's not super far from you this time. And, uh, latter part of July, you know, just, it's always a lot to, you learn a lot, you network with, you know, people who, you know, you've only heard their names and the names of their shows. And here you get to sit huh. next to them at a, you know, yeah. while watching a panel or whatever. So. Yeah, I, I have, there's a podcast company actually where I live who I like, know, but my friend works there and I, I know the couple of the people who run it and they go to all that stuff. Huh. And my friend Kevin, um, he's actually does a lot of, he's like, Got a kind of smaller show, he would call it. And they do a, he does a lot of live podcast taping in Philly. He said there's like a really big podcasting scene where it's like a thing where people have really tiny shows set up at bars and people show up and listen to them. And I love Philly. Have you ever been? Uh, I have been not, not having anything to do with Philly. We took the kids. Yeah. We kind of did the whole, you know, we did kind of the major sites and. I I can't even remember what what it was in the context of, but we spent a couple of days, you know, making sure we made the rounds. I think I I haven't spent enough time there, but from my understanding is it used to be not wonderful, and now there's like the historical mm-hmm. stuff, and then there's like a whole other world within it. It's be really great. Like I live in Providence, is kind of like that. Yeah. Like it wasn't a really fun place to be until maybe ten years ago, and now like you could. It's small mm-hmm. cities. Big fan. Big fan. Uh, well, I mean, I gotta start wrapping up because um, I, I have to go to sleep. I usually, you're one of the few people I'll stay up late for. And yes, it's only like ten o'clock for most people. Oh. But you know what it's like when you have to be oh. up anywhere between five and seven. 
but I do. I do. And, and that it might, you might have to wake up in the middle of it all. So, well, I am, I am. Yeah. I, she's the They best. are. They are. Yeah. And it, it, she's it the does best. change. I, I, I don't know. I wonder too, if like we're, sometimes I'm like, are we over attentive? Cause we're always like, even when like the worst of it, I was like, we wanted this. I always keep that to myself. I was like, this is what we wanted. Like two years ago when like when IVF <laughs> transfer didn't work or like when things were going in the depths of like this is never going to happen we would have taken the worst I would have traded anything just for the worst day with having her even though when you're in it it's really hard but there's definitely days I'm like this is what you wanted it's okay mm-hmm. yeah you know your your heart changed the day you know the day you got her your heart changed and you're you know, your sleep, your sleep is kind of the last thing to adjust, but it, you know, it will, and she'll, she'll hit her groove and she'll just be a busy little Unsolicited girl. advice for any parent out there. Do not have a child. And then within the same month, watch Finding Dory. Because <laughs> <laughs> you will cry more harder than about any, you, it will hit you right in the feels more than you didn't know that was possible. God, it was that beautiful movie. Well, <laughs> you know, and you're you're just gonna you're gonna look back on all of the this you know kind of eighteen months you know the the pregnancy and yeah. the birth and the everything following it. And you're gonna wonder how did we survive, and you did survive, and that says yeah. a lot about you and I think your about wife that a lot. <laughs> and your your network your network yeah. of everybody who was there to help you. And certainly we missed oh, we thanks. missed your podcast, and but I think there was a community that really was kind of watching and. And 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 hoping that things were going to work out right. You took the time that you needed to to step away, but I think that there's something good that comes every time you hop on, put your headset on, and and hit the hit the record button. Um, that you're just, you know we're all sharing this with you, and so that's uh, it's it's actually our our privilege because you know when your kids are gone and you're you know you've lived that part of your life, yeah. you don't get to talk about it often. So we're kind of living it through you. Thank you so much. That's nice because I. I've almost quit this thing like 20 times since everything's happened. And that's a, that's yeah. another reason I knew I was, things weren't going right. But yeah, thank you. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I thought and, if you just stop, it's all over. And it really, it, it's not. <laughs> I mean, my, I also yeah. just kind of gave up on what I care about. I'm like, I just don't care about numbers. I just want experience. So like, if you know, if people look at like who comes out anymore, like for me, it's just like, my only goal is that I enjoy an hour. And that's why right. I've been a little more picky right. with guests. I'm like, I'm only going to pick people that I know it's going to be a great experience. And so far, it's been great. I think I've been, and I'm happy too because sadly, the last four guests have all been white. Uh, no, but they've all been men, and I like I need to get need to not do that. But things happen sometimes. <laughs> well, you, you know, you're you're taking the show where your heart needs it to go, and that that means I mean that you know this is this is your art, so it's okay. And and in the end, it's going to mean an incredible amount to you and to your listeners that you're that you're using this as your decision making criteria versus you know trying to trying to be be a pro and trying to match yeah. people who are running around getting huge guests you're going you're getting the guests that make a difference to you so absolutely well thank you so much for the kind words and everything and oh please tell your daughter yeah. about the uh, iZombie episodes not even just iZombie episodes but um, yes. she's if you're a fan of iZombie the episode with yeah. Rahul Kohli who I he will be famous one day cuz he's so talented um such an uh, uh, such a get and literally it's an hour and a half and that dude just dives deep into like, you ever have the interview you're just like all right i'm just gonna shut off and let you talk because that dude just opened up and told me a bunch of stuff i wasn't <laughs> expecting and wonderful human being and it was so great. excellent well, and she's I still will. working on uh the I good will. wife or good pl- something no actually she's doing something that's uh cooler and closer to what her heart wants her to do she is uh still in new york working for a company called Furnish Green, which is a vintage furniture and <gasps> uh, pop culture item store. So it's all vintage stuff that is pulled from estate sales and things throughout New Jersey. And it's right in Herald Square. It's in a um, more like an office building. So it's on the third floor of an office building, but it's right across from Macy's right there, 30, you know, Broadway and 32nd or whatever. And she's, you know, kind of running the Instagram account. She, you know, is assistant manager of the, the showroom and they are doing research on all this furniture and these things that come in and globes and, and, you know, last rites kits of priests and just this incredible, incredible experience. She's learning a lot and having a ball. And, and the, the, the film part of it and the TV and film part is that they also have then relationships with all of the, 
um, set designers and the, and the props people for every show that's shooting or filming every movie that's filming in the city so that, you know, if those people need a certain thing, whether it's vintage or just, they need a, a chair that looks like this, they are usually one of the first ones called. So it's kind of cool. Can you send me the link? Because I'm going to be in New York. I will. A couple times pretty soon. And I have a whole free day in New York without a baby. So I'm trying to figure out what to do. That would be becoming such a sucker for vintage furniture. I know it's kind of weird. I hate Ikea. So everything we own is just like refurbished old stuff. You know what? But it's it's much more durable and and it's uh, just good quality and often made in America. So I will send you the link to Furnish Green and then you and she can chat oh, about iZombie. Oh, thank you so, so much. Where, where can people find great. you and your amazing podcast online, which I sure, absolutely, sure. I think people, I'll gush over it more in the intro, but I just thoroughly love. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Uh, the website itself is tvherstory.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at tvherstory. And uh, on Facebook, it is advanced TV herstory, comma, a podcast. And, um, those are kind of the main places you can pretty much download the podcast, advanced TV history, anywhere that you can download podcasts, except for Stitcher, because I've just never taken the time to get onto Stitcher or our, our, our iHeartRadio. Instead, I like to put in a plug for Radio Public because they are trying new things to, uh, to bridge, to bridge the gap between listeners and, and people who don't listen, but understand that there's this incredible wealth of of talent and storytelling available in an audio format they just haven't figured out how to make it work so radio public is doing a lot to reach out to build yeah, radio the, public if you hear the, this the uh, entire base of listenership review my resume and hire me i've applied to that before <laughs> <laughs> one day well you know if if we can yeah, grow one if one we day. can grow their business but, they need to grow their team but, so um and you would yeah. You would be a great addition. Plus, you have that extra mental health, you know, uh, professional background. And who who doesn't need that in the office these days? So, well, thank you so much. You know, we're here to count the blessings. <laughs>